When I was in high school, one of the fads was having a pair of Oakley sunglasses. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Oakley sunglasses or not, but they are not cheap sunglasses. At the time, a pair of glasses cost about $100, which was very expensive for a minimum wage high school kid. As I glanced at their website just this week, they are still outrageously expensive, costing between $125 and $235, depending on which pair and style you choose. It was a cool thing to have these glasses, so while I was with some of my friends on a youth group mission trip to Washington, D.C., my friends and I encountered some vendors on the streets who were actually selling Oakley sunglasses. Well, truth be told, they weren't really Oakley sunglasses, but they looked just like them. They were knockoffs intended to give the impression that they were the real thing, but if you looked at them closely enough, you would discover that they were actually fake. And since you couldn't buy Oakleys for $20 anywhere, we knew that what we were buying wasn't real. In fact, we called them Folkleys, fake Oakleys. It didn't bother us at all, though. We looked cool wearing our glasses that appeared to be the real thing. Of course, as I wore them over time, they began to fade and they eventually broke. They didn't stand the test of time like a real pair is supposed to do. Now, there are all kinds of knockoff brands that exist out there today. Have you ever had a Mr. Pibb instead of a Dr. Pepper or maybe even a Wright instead of a Sprite? <laughs> The Girl Scouts, they sell the cookies known as the Thin Mints, but have you ever bought a box of Thick Mints? Maybe you like board games like Twister. Well, you can buy one just like it called Don't Fall Down. Or maybe you're into sports apparel and really like the Nike brand, and you can buy something that looks just like Nike, but it's called Mikey with an M. I'm not making this stuff up. If you don't believe me, I encourage you to go online and to Google it and you will find it. You see, I suppose that some things never change for there have been imitators of the real thing for ages. And our scripture today concludes Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and it has a lot to say about this too. Jesus shares some words that can be really hard for us to hear. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Here Jesus gives us a warning about the day of the Lord, what we know as judgment day, the day when everyone will stand before the Lord, the righteous judge, and will be held accountable for what we have or what we have not done. Jesus is very clear that there will be many gathered there who call him Lord, those who believe that he is in fact the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Lord of the universe. They have verbally confessed him as Lord, and they have even done some pretty remarkable things in his name, like prophesying and driving out demons and even performing miracles. These folks claim to know Jesus, but Jesus doesn't claim to know them. 
he will tell them to leave his presence, for they have not done his Father's will. Now, I don't know about you, but these words from Jesus give me goosebumps. I mean, the last thing that I want to discover and hear on Judgment Day is Jesus telling me that he never knew me and to flee from his presence. How about you? Last week, Austin Eggers preached on Jesus' call to enter the narrow gate and the narrow road that leads to life. We're calling this the road less traveled because it's not an easy road to travel. But Jesus is, in fact, the narrow gate and the narrow road, but so often we prefer the easier way, the broad road that ultimately leads to destruction and not to life. Well, after sharing this, Jesus warns us to watch out for false prophets who come dressed in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ferocious wolves. He says this, he says, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. He says, you won't recognize them immediately. You have to take a closer look at their lives. You see, our scripture today is set in the context of false prophets, of ferocious wolves dressed as sheep. These folks proclaim Jesus as Lord. They look the part. They wear their cross necklaces and even attend the worship services Outwardly, they appear to be legitimate followers of Jesus, but inwardly, their hearts lead them in other directions. In fact, in Jesus' day, some of them likely charge fees for prophecies or even to provide healings. In the Old Testament, God warned his people to beware of false prophets, acknowledging that a true prophet of God could be known if their prophecy comes true. And likewise, that a false prophet would be known if their prophecy was proved true false. You see, they were imitators, knockoffs who proclaimed to be the real deal, but didn't live in ways that bore the good fruit that Jesus speaks of. And certainly in our own time, we've seen religious leaders and pastors who have proclaimed to follow Jesus, leading large congregations and outwardly appearing to be very successful in what they do. Yet over time, the deep secrets of scandals were exposed, which devastated their congregants and only fueled the fire for those who refused to associate with Christianity because of the hypocrisy involved. We know the most famous of them as Jimmy Swaggart or Ted Haggard or Jim Baker or Robert Tilton, more recently Mark Driscoll, and just recently New York City's Hillsong pastor Carl Lentz. These are just a few that we may be aware of, but there are many more that haven't been in the news media. While there are many pastors involved in scandals, there are also many who teach their congregations to do things that are contrary to the scriptures or that challenge Jesus' own words. You see, political expediency, power, and prestige can tempt any pastor or Christian leader just as it can anyone else. That's the reality of sin, isn't it? But Jesus is not just talking about pastors or prominent Christian leaders here. He's talking to every single one of us. He goes on to say this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
Jesus transitions from what is real versus what is fake to the importance of having the right foundation. And he offers two examples of building, two homes that look very much the same and more than likely were built exactly the same, but the biggest difference between them is the foundation upon which they have been built. The wise person, Jesus says, has built his house upon the rock, while the foolish person has built it upon the sand. Now, Jesus is not really talking about homes. He's talking about our lives. The house is a metaphor to explain the importance of having a strong foundation in our life. And the foundation is key to holding up our lives when the storms come. The foolish person who builds on sand will experience a great crash when the storms attack, while the person who builds on the rock will persevere and weather the storm. Jesus says that everyone will experience storms, but his emphasis is on who will stand firm in the end. You see, what Jesus is really talking about here is obedience. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like someone who built upon the rock. In this case, the rock is Jesus, his unfailing word that guides us in the delight of his love. His word directs us toward the narrow road that leads to life. Many hear his words just as we do today, but then they do not allow them to penetrate their hearts to bring about transformative change. We know what we're supposed to do, but we have a hard time following through, being obedient to his word. You see, I find that what Jesus is looking for is for followers and not fans. Now, fans can show up with their jerseys on and cheer Jesus' words during a worship service or like specific scriptures on social media and then go on about their business as if nothing has ever changed, that their lives haven't been transformed in any way. Being a fan means that you can kind of bow out when your team is not doing so well and you can start cheering for another. Being a fan doesn't require much commitment. It allows us to keep our distance if we want to. Jesus doesn't call us to be fans. He calls us to follow him, to do what he does, to love as he loves, to pray as he prays, to forgive as he forgives, and to desire God's will in our lives and in the world. Following Jesus requires obedience to follow even when the going gets tough, even when the storms seem so hard to endure. Following Jesus reminds us that we do so As we do so, the rock of ages is our sure foundation who's holding us up through every storm we face, helping us to persevere. You see, Jesus had a lot of fans, but fewer followers. In fact, as we reflect on Holy Week, Palm Sunday reminds us that he had a great crowd of fans, while Good Friday reminds us that few remained loyal to the very end. Thus, Jesus' words today are directed to the church, not to unbelievers. Remember, those who stood before him declared him Lord. But acknowledging Jesus as Lord is not just about believing in him. It's also about following him, embracing Christ as Lord of our lives and submitting to his will. It's not that our obedience somehow saves us. That's what Jesus does for us. 
You see, the rock is already there, but the question is whether or not we will build our lives upon it. Do we really believe that what Jesus says is important, and are we committed to truly following him? The psalmist declares, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. I find that the danger for professing Christians is confessing faith, but not making faith a priority in our lives, living as apathetic fans, unwilling to follow Jesus in all areas of our lives. So often we hear the phrase that we should do everything in moderation, but I can assure you that Jesus isn't interested in us practicing, practicing our faith in moderation. He wants us to be all in. And yet another danger for the church is that sometimes we become so focused on doing things in the name of Christ, just like those who profess Jesus as Lord, yet we have no desire to help those we serve come to know Jesus as we know him. Giving someone bread to eat is a good thing, but we must also direct people to the bread of life and to the living water. You see, we do not prophesy or drive out demons and perform miracles for show or simply to make ourselves feel better or to make people think that we're great. It's supposed to be done for Jesus, not just in his name. We do it because of the transformative change that Jesus has made in our own lives and continues to make in our lives on a daily basis. I find that there are enough knockoff brands in the world, those who appear to be the real thing but who do not bear the true fruit of the kingdom of God. And what the world really needs to see and what Jesus desires more than anything for all of us is to follow him, not just with our lips, but also with obedient lives and hearts that declare his love and grace in the world. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-6 through six says this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. See, the truth is there's no substitute for the real thing. And it's also true that following Jesus isn't easy. His own disciples struggled to do it, but we've been given the gift, the precious gift of the Holy Spirit to help us be obedient followers. Jesus knows that no one is perfect. That's why his grace is extended to all who trust and obey him. But we must obey him because this is a sign of our love for him. Jesus tells us this in John 14, verses 23 and 24, saying, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. I find that Jesus is very consistent. He knows those who obey his commands, those who do the will of his Father. And he has taught us and he has showed us how to live in this way. And we have heard his rock-solid words and have the opportunity to redirect our ways to his. Letting the Lord build our house 
establishing the strongest foundation we could ever have simply by submitting to his will and becoming a true follower. And you see, he gives us this warning and picture of judgment day, not to condemn us from his presence, but to redirect us that we may turn from evil, fearing the Lord, accepting his correction and gaining his wisdom. In doing so, we don't have to hear him say to us on that day, I never knew you, away from me, you evildoers. Instead, we hear him welcome us into the kingdom saying, I know you. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. It's really about obedience. It's my prayer for us this day is that we might be obedient in faith to follow Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength together as his church that we may truly represent the real thing and not some cheap knockoff version that distorts the risen Christ or his true eternal kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Church, may we do so. May we be obedient to follow Jesus, to be followers and not fans. Together we might declare to the world the goodness, the graciousness, and the love of our Lord. May we do so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.